Welcome to, uh, I was going to say funky, but that doesn't, that just doesn't cover it, does it, it's Adam? Not, it's not it's funky not, in the slightest. It's, it's <laughs> not funky, it's not electro, it's not, it's not arty, it's not punk, it's, it's no. all of the above. What it is, Mike, is the best album that Roxy Music ever released. Yes, and welcome to the listening party with Adam and Mike. Hello. Well, hello, yes, and this time... As Adam has mentioned, we are discussing 1973's. That's right, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. For Your Pleasure by Roxy Music. Their second studio album, the last one. Sorry, this is just context. Wow, get right in, everyone. Context. It's uh, the second album they released following the, um, I'd say, mild success of the first one. Mm. Um, And it's the last to feature Brian Eno, arguably because, uh, based on my reading um, around the period, both for this podcast and also just in my life, uh, Brian Ferry is a tool. However, he's a spectacularly gifted one. (laughs) Some of the finest singers are. Yeah, I mean, he he strikes me as a man. I've, I virtually think that I would really enjoy the company of every single member of Brian of Roxy Music, except Brian Ferry, who I would want to punch in the face. But he's also devilishly handsome. Oh, my God, yes. He's an incredible-looking man. He just gets better as well. He looks amazing now. He does. He, he turns out well. I mean, he looked great then. He's just... He's just worked out what it is he's got. Oh, yeah, because often you find with people in their 20s, 30s who just cut an awesome shape, they just... The Dave Gilmore effect, they just swell and swell. It's very rarely... It's usually the opposite. It's usually the funny-looking people earlier in life who's like... The Roger Waters principle. The Roger Waters principle, yes, where they just go, my, you've grown into that face. Nick Mason, on the other hand, uh... <laughs> well, Ooh. but I mean, you've got to say this, Granddad. He does look like he's enjoyed himself no, more than any of the other members of Pink Floyd. Yeah, <laughs> certainly with less problematic children. Yeah. Uh, oh no, Mr. Ferry has problematic children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Otis was arrested, wasn't he, for chucking stuff at uh, the government to protest fucking yeah, fox hunting. Way to, way to tack your, your sort of name to yeah, a ridiculous was, thing. Because I was trying to remember which son did what. So Dave Gilmore's one who's, he pissed on the cenotaph, didn't he? Or climbed a, a flag on it. Yeah. Uh, and then Otis Ferry, he threw flour into the into. Prime Minister's question is the same, which is now why you can't um, have public viewings. <laughs> you can't have any baked goods or the constituents thereof within a hundred yards of the House of Commons. It's, 
the privileged, eh? Yeah. I remember years ago he was um, he was signed to be the the face of M and S. Yes, and their, well. their spokesperson simply said something like, "Well, is, is there is there anybody that doesn't want to look like Brian Ferry?" And I read that press release and went, "Yes, yeah, good point." Yeah. But then he said some stuff about the Third Reich. Hey, he said lots of. Oh no, he said that stuff in the seventies. I thought he said the stuff about the Germans having great style. Yo, he's, that's a line he's been treading since the 70s. Most insensitively of all, he said it in Germany to a German newspaper going, the thing about the Nazis was, Brian, no, Brian, <laughs> shut up now, lad. No sentence should ever start. The thing about the Nazis and the end is the positive. Well, I tell you, what you should never say is, I'll say this for them. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> The closest you can get to the comments you make, I think, was Hugo Boss. Quite liked some of their stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really liked their Gestapo stuff. That was good. Yeah, just, just you know, the darker stuff, the blacks they had. Yeah, with the yeah. little, little silver but then skull could, motif. Could also say, you know, I, I, I like the Hugo Boss stuff uh, that's one in Rocky Four. It's all over. It's all over the place in Rocky Four. The fact is, though, he is right. Yes, but and, and it's the classic. If you read his comment in context, well, it's... no, I I have read his comment in context, and I think it was spectacularly badly phrased. And crucially, and I think this is this is essential. Is... We are saying this in 2020. Mm -hmm. He was saying it what less than 30 years after the event, so still very much in living memory. Hmm. Um, in, as I say, in Germany to some Germans, <laughs> which is where I tend to find them. <laughs> That's do you find really, really thick. Mm. Yes. So, uh, but what also amazes me is, like you say, this is Brian Eno's second and last album of Roxy Music. And yeah, even yeah. Though Brian Eno has gone on to become... Uh, an absolute icon in his own right. He's still, I feel, very closely tied to Roxy in a way. Like, so it's, the history of Roxy music I is think so. I reckon it's because Roxy music has always eclipsed Eno's work in the popular consciousness. Obviously, mm. within you know people like us and anybody that would choose to listen to a podcast like this, Brian Eno is going to loom large, but. If you are a pop fan, then you will like Virginia Plain probably because it yeah. was num it was a number two hit. It's a sort of it's a timeless record. Obviously, it's not on this one, but he's on that. And there's also there's something quite compelling about the whole. <coughs> he worked with them for two albums that are generally regarded to be their artistic zenith. Although not their not their commercials anything at all, they they went on to sell huge numbers of records. But everybody that likes rock, it's like Genesis, really. You know, divided into Gabriel and he was with them in his early twenties for like what five six records, and yeah. then then they became they then went, they became mega they became stratospheric. But there's nothing; they're never going to be as artistically satisfying, even though, as you and I both agree, Genesis were really good. They were. Uh, they were a great pop act, and Roxy Music were good as well. More than this is a lovely song, <coughs> but it's not. It's not as exciting or as challenging as Editions of You, is it? 
No, I, I, I'm a sucker for some late latter day Roxy music stuff. Yeah, of course I am. I like you know, the 80s, but um, yeah, the, definitely the more interesting stuff is certainly yeah, yeah, completely the early work. And and the fact that you know Brian Eno's part in it on the surface level seems to be very much a bleepy bloopy guy. That's what he brings to the song. He makes been, them noises. He's been the bleepy bloopy guy for so many people. And their best, most bleepiest, bloopiest records were made with him. Bowie's, Bowie's bleepiest work was made with him. Yeah, I love bleepy bloopy by Bowie. Yeah, yeah. It's bleepy bloopy in Berlin. He's one a better producer in many ways, but he's nowhere near as good as bleeps and bloops. He didn't bring the Wee. bleep machine. Yeah. It's also the... He was, and this is one of the reasons why allegedly Ferry squeezed him out. I mean, he turned up yeah. to the the story goes, if I remember this right, that he turned up to one gig, and um, Ferry had his replacement Eddie Jobson sat in the audience watching him, making notes, copying his moves. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, you getting this? Yeah, good. Um, and he had like the you know the enormous costume where the with the huge feathers behind him. Because he mm. said, um, I had nothing to do on stage other than twiddle some knobs. So the costume Just designer preposterous. and I were thinking in terms of architecture, where tiny little movements like the twiddling of knobs would sort of cascade up the feathers. So it looked like I was doing loads. It was just this thing with clearly bulletproof self-confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you play anything? Not so much. Nope. Uh, um, don't, don't really care performing. Do you even have a good head of hair? Not really. Can you sing? Ooh, not in any way that anybody would really admire. Um, what can you do? Yeah. Well, I've got a very cool name. It does. It's a good name. It's a good name. You know, uh, yeah, I've been recently listening to the 801 Live album, uh, which you it's turned good. me on to. It's, fan- it's a fantastic album. I told you, didn't I? Yeah. One of the best live albums, I'd say. I, I may bring it to the pub. Party at some point, but yeah, listening to it, I can I can just hear the germ of so many bands in the album. But yeah, to your point of Eno's voice, it's probably the, the one the blip in that overall great bloop yeah. is uh, sometimes his voice is that baby's on fire. Oh, I'm glad this is a short album and a lot of it's instrumental. He is not a singer. He's not I don't mind singer. his voice, but he's not a singer. Like he's. No. It, the most the charitable thing you could say is he's a vocalist. <laughs> no. he's, he's definitely better when he keeps it registered low on something like um, uh, oh, uh, oh am I, mm, what, in the blue August blue. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he keeps it more of that register, it's fine. But when he's going a little bit more, baby, that fire. Oh no! I mean, he's there, isn't he? Because he was. It's the the eight oh one is. Phil Manzanera's baby, the guitarist with Roxy. Yeah. And he's clearly there as Phil's mate, who he just yeah. likes collaborating with. And again, going back to this album and just Roxy as a whole, you really do... I say you, in the general you, you forget how wonderful Phil Manzanera is as a guitarist. Oh my just God, yeah. some of the sounds, yeah, I think possibly one of the great underrated Yeah, 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 yeah. Players. He's... Um, did you ever watch Red Dwarf? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's an episode where there's like the big polymorph, it's disguised itself as Lister, it gets back on the ship, and then 
they they work out that which one's real Lister by making them play guitar. That unbelievable shredding is Phil Manzanera. All right. <laughs> yeah. He's huh. um fact. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And the, that is another reason why that this particular lineup probably couldn't ever have lasted. Because mm. Ferry ruled with an iron fist. But like he he basically kept I think he kept them in penury in poverty because he didn't share any of the royalties. Mm. So none of them made any money really from Roxy in the early days because he said I mean, he eradicated his own accent, but he said, No, I write all the tunes and all the lyrics, mate, so just basically I'm Roxy Music and I don't want to hear another word from you. So I'll read. Now, let's do do the strand one more time, Phil. Have you remembered your place? And that's that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Bulletproof, isn't it? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what Brian Ferry sounds like. Slave to love. I am a slave to love. Oh, ho. I mean, Eno was never going to be able to work under those constrictions. I'm amazed that Phil did. He clearly needed 801 and Quiet Sun in the background. Mm. Andy McKay is... I, mean, that's, I suppose that's in the roundabout way the frustrating thing is why couldn't Ferry see that this particular cohort of musicians was so extraordinary? Yeah. Um, because he didn't write all of them. He, yeah, he may have wrote the lyrics and he may have had the idea for the tune, but he can't play guitar like Phil Manzanera. No, he can't, can't add those tones like Eno does. He can't bleep and bloop like Eno. No, no bleep and bloop. And Andy McKay can essentially play anything with a reed, I believe. Mm. And the consistently underrated drumming of Paul Thompson. Yeah. And then there's a bassist as well, but the bassists don't really feature in Roxy Music. It's just a, a parade of anonymous hired hands, which is a bit of a sad state of affairs. I think the first one was Graham Simpson or something, but then it's, it's just, just a sea of nothing. <laughs> did he go on to work with Gordon Simpson? Yeah, I think he did. I think he was he was basically churning out Step to and Sun scripts uh, while he was on tour with Roxy. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's good. It's, you know, it's oh, quite fun of living. Man, for fuck's sake, will you put down that biro and just pick up your bass? I'm going to be doing that a lot. So Good, look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, well, Paul Thompson's got the same voice. It's just um, there's a bit more aggression to it. Oh, yeah. Fuck's well, sake, man, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely fucking love playing the drums. <laughs> Bing and a bang and a bong. That's what I do. I just pick them up and then beat the shit out of it. Does the great bleep bloop have a voice? <laughs> I can't do an Eno impression, so I'd, I like to just do the noise. All right, fair enough. That's what the world knows him by. So what did you... I mean, I know you knew the album already. But yes. what did you... Like, have you enjoyed... Because I found often... I found that I really enjoyed revisiting this as an album rather than as part of a Roxy Music playlist. So like yeah, yeah. The first time I ever listened to it was when you lent it to me at uni, and for the longest time, the song that stuck out to me purely in its pure gothicness was "In Every Home a Heartache." Because having just come from the best of Roxy music for years, hearing that, it was just like that's very different to anything I've ever heard them do before. And it's an album I've always enjoyed over the years, but actually listening to it this time round, it, it I've only just realised 
how many different sounds there are on this. And I don't just mean the bleeps and the bloops. I literally mean... No, no, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. Different. Uh, each, one of the better word, vibes. <laughs> yeah, each it, there's a great variety to it. Each song has a slightly different quality to it, and no yeah. one song is alike on it. None of them are just standard seventies rock pop fare. No, 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 no. They had um, they they suffered from a surfeit of ideas. Mm. I there's only one song on it that I don't really care for as much as the others, but there was a few that um, I had sort of passed by. Like I mentioned to you the other day, Grey Lagoons and yeah. the title track had um, possibly because you know you know what, certainly the last one is a bit more atmospheric. Yeah, it's less of a um, well, less of a banger. But as, I've, I've I've really enjoyed it. Well, I tell you what, I've really liked is just how many solos are in this album. Yeah, it's it's actually... everybody gets a solo. They do and not like Jimmy Page solos. Interminable, no, <laughs> short, sharp, enjoyable ones. Mm. I noticed that as well. I noticed that there's a lot more music than I remember on this album. It's yes. not all, you know, it does feel like Roxy Music the band as a part, as opposed to Mr. Ferry's Bingle Bangles. I've got me backing band, me bunch of troubadours. Yeah, yeah right, Brian. You sound increasingly like an idiot as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you? I'm gonna go and put on me Marks and Spencer's finest and go up the tone. <laughs> what did you find? I mean, we, I'm not asking you to reveal, but have you found that your favourite has changed? I'm not sure favourites changed. Probably a couple more songs which I had previously let let go by. Let go yeah. by. That's a phrase. Uh, I was a bit more this time. Oh, actually, let's come back. Yeah, to this yeah, one. Okay. It's a bit more like that this time around. I'll tell you what I hadn't necessarily remembered as well was obviously the way that Brian Ferry sings is terrific if you like that sort of thing. <laughs> because it's such an artificial construction. Yeah. No, nobody sings like that naturally. You have to, like... um What's his face from um, Dexy's Midnight Runners? Kevin Rowland, yeah. who said he was basically doing a sort of impression of Brian Ferry when he began, which is why that Where the Vibrato comes from <laughs> and a lot of Dexy's songs. Yeah. But um, so he must have sat in his house in Nogasso before he moved down to London as a teacher for a spell. He must have sat there going, just really working on that weird lizard croon that he's got. But it's so great. But what I had not necessarily remembered was um, how many different versions of Brian Ferry's weird but great voice we have mm. in this album. What he does on Grey Lagoons is completely different to what he does in Every Dream Home of Heartache, which is basically yes. a, it's a performance more than it is a song. Yeah, it's, it's more of a him spoken, anyway. Obviously, yeah, there's a lot of great soloing in it. Basically, a spoken word piece. Um, could we, would you care to begin by suggesting that there's a new sensation? <laughs> it's such a great way of opening an album. With a, a fabulous creation. A danceable solution to global conflict. It's it's a, a really arresting, exciting, 
again, statement of intent, except it isn't because the rest of the album doesn't really sound anything like no. it, apart from possibly additions of you. Um, and I, I really like songs about dances, especially when the dance is fictional and they offer no no illustration or guidance on how to perform the particular <laughs> strap. You can imagine but, people on dance floors and essentially go, I'm trying, I'm trying to strand. Are we doing the strand right, Brian? It's not like, you know, the Radio Gaga or Prince Charming thing where everybody knows what to do with their arms. They said, I think they said something like the st- doing the strand was like a lifestyle. I don't know. Well, here he just lists bars and restaurants to go to, so it seems very much a, hey, if you want to do the strand, you've, you've just got to hang out in the strand and you spend money. Yeah. It's... I love Do The Strand. It's, I just, I do love that, the opening. It has such urgency about it, but I mean in very much a, he almost sounds panicked. There's a new sensation. Like, oh God, what's happening? I really like, <laughs> when you feel love, it's the new way. What rhymes with that? Um, That's what we say. Great. <laughs> it never fails to put a massive smile on my face. It makes me very happy to do the strand. I do think it's a silly song, but again, oh, yeah. I, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. It's For a band that very... was so slightly ironic and about artifice anyway, I think it's superb. Yeah. it's it, For anyone who was worried at the time, I imagine of them being kind of up their asses, art students, so. like, They've just done a silly song about song uh, a dance that doesn't exist, and they, they've just thrown everything at it. It's got saxophone in it. It's got this ridiculous piano. It's got in it. incredible throwaway lyrics that don't seem to. Met- I mean, fed up with Fandango, which I do like. Fed up with Fandango. It's, there is. I can't think of any reason why he says Rhododendron is a nice flower. <laughs> <laughs> What is that lyric doing there? And it just says, evergreen, in, it lasts forever, but it can't beat strand power. <laughs> Was it bored with the penguin? Well, the samba isn't pronounce- your scene. He pronounces it as, I always hear it as bored of the biggie, but yeah, you're right, it says biguin in there. And then rhymes with scene. Well, which the samba is not. Yeah, and then you've got we're incognito down the lido, even though it's... What was Lido? Yeah, I mean, it should be Lido, I think. But um, are you going to tell him? I mean, I wouldn't. (laughs) Also, he isn't, or at this point in his writing career, he is not one of those writers that writes essentially linear narratives. Mm. He He is from the grab bag of lyrics school. Oh, yes. And I think he basically just thinks, if I sing it with enough verve, then I will get away with it. And he's bang right. Oh, yeah. It's the classic, you know, you, you if you do it with confidence, people will just believe it. Oh, and not just believe it. If you're Brian Ferry at this period, they'll fucking love it. Oh, yeah. They'll love Although, of course, the, the music papers did weary of him really quite quickly. Yeah, I mean... That was something I was always quite surprised with reading back into, you know, music books about this period of music is Roxy were initially met with quite a lot of scepticism, weren't they? And they didn't get a lot of love from the press. They didn't pay their dues. Mm. They 
I think what they were offering was so unusual, it was likely to be massive. And you know what critics are like sometimes. And they basically think every, some critics believe everybody should be wearing jeans and uh, writing about how life how is hard. And they, they should be singing lived experience and basically the blues and Roxy Music were deliberately fabulous. <laughs> and, and also not, again, not, not exactly heart on your sleeve poets. No. But then they I think a lot of the music press sort of came round. But again, they were more interested in Eno than they were Ferry. Mm. I don't think you I don't think if you're if you are a music fan in nineteen seventy three, you're not hearing a lot that also sounds like this. Genesis were doing Foxtrot. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like give some context, yeah. This sounds like it's from space. You you imagine now that those two things would be in a progression, you'd have something like Foxtrot, and then on the back of all of that, you'd have Roxy Music almost as a response, but that's just not the case. I mean, what was Bowie doing in 73? Was that Ziggy? No, it would have been Aladdin Sane. Aladdin 73, isn't it? Yeah. So what a fascinatingly, what a brilliantly fertile sort of couple of years, and they fit beautifully in that. The only thing that's, I think, what I think is really noteworthy is the that he did not manage to trade that into sort of lifelong critical adoration. I think he's got a lot of it back now, but he was such a Burke for (laughs) such a long time. He was so in love with himself. And I suppose you do need that level of self-belief, but I mean, Bowie didn't lose critical favour for what, another 15 years, maybe 20 years? No, and so might in late what late nineties, they really start to hate him. Yeah, it lost his shine around late nineties, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it was well with Brian Ferry. He settled very comfortably into that Rod Stewart style of song yeah. making now, which is I'm going to sing the Great American Songbook to absolutely everyone's indifference and in fairness, though, he did his first uh, covers album. He did at the same time that Bowie did pinups. Oh yeah, no, he, he did. Yeah, you know, so he's he's well ahead of Rod Stewart in that regard. But, but he's I, kept doing it for the end, the yeah, next he has. forty, and fifty also, years. Also, um, pinups was much more successful than Ferry's version. Yeah, I mean, and then of course he did a whole album of Dylan covers about. He did Dylan years ago. Oh, longer than that, but yes. For, well, I forget how old I am. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, to, 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 to what end? To what end, Mike? I mean, it's no Ali Campbell's great British songbook. I'll give, I'll tell you that much. Hey, you tell me what is. Other than Ali Campbell's. Did he ever do a follow-up to that? I would like to know. <laughs> do write in. Do I'm write not, in if you're not that. going to Google it. I'm not having that come up in my search history. No, I mean, it would... It would ruin the look of all that pornography, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How could I go to Pornhub again, Adam? <laughs> I couldn't look them in the eye. <laughs> couldn't show my face there. Oh, just reading the Sister Sisters recorded a version of this for the the uh, War Child charity album 2009. Sister Sisters were around for a bit, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were a thing for a spell. I imagine, I haven't heard it, but I'm guessing that their version of To The Strand is... The same. I mean, when they covered... Um, 
But when they covered Pink Floyd, that made sense to me because it was completely different. I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm doing them a disservice. Valerie, please believe. And now if I could work out. I really like the next bit as well, which is because the time to make plans is past. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Apparently it's about an old girlfriend. who, um, But his, his sort of obsession with aesthetics comes to the fore here. Because um, it, it, it basically seems that the only thing that he and Valerie ever shared, sorry, the one thing we shared, <laughs> is an idea of beauty. <laughs> Treasure so rare. It's yeah, so this is what great. I mean. It's, it, it goes none much more Brian Ferry than this song, in terms of his voice. He's all well, around Yeah, I mean, when you look at the lyrics as well, you do really get into the poet that is Brian Ferry. Heavy-lidded they shed, swearing, swaying palms at your feet. You're the pride of your street. While you worship a son, some a lover of fun. Who said that you'll go far? Maybe someday be a star. Yeah, he's, like, he's a fun, fondness for the rhyming couplet, is Mr. Ferry. He is, but he also he doesn't deliver them like they are rhyming couplets. Mm. So treasure so rare that even devils might care is not delivered like that. Treasure so rare. He puts all of the stress at the first part of the line. The rhyme is almost throwaway. Mm. It's that his his delivery is what makes some, some rhyming couplet doggerel transcendent. <laughs> so really, he's found a, a blinding way to cover up his shortcomings. Yeah, yeah, and, and more power to him for that. He's making it work, yeah. And in that second line, that even devils might care, it's that even devils might care. You've, you've forgotten that rare was at the end of the last line because treasure and devils are what's dragging all of your attention. For a while, I, I often found Beauty Queen quite a um, a damp squib after Do The Strand. My oh, yeah, think has completely yeah. turned around on that now. I completely and utterly agree. I think, I mean, Do The Strand is some bombastic bit of fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And, and I, don't I, claim thought, to, I don't claim to love Do The Strand. I really enjoy it. Oh, but I don't, I'd I don't go as far as to say I love it. Um, I could, if Do The Strand came on the radio or on in, on, in a pub... I'd be, yeah. I'd be so excited. Again, it's one of those songs for me. If I put on the album, it's not my favourite song. But yeah, like you say, if it comes on the radio while I'm in the pub, I'll be like, oh, oh here's something tasty. Oh my God, there is a new sensation. <laughs> oh my God, I'm panicked about a sensation. But I agree. For years, I thought, because I mainly knew um, uh, Roxy Music, the Platinum Collection, and Roxy Music, the early years, they, they have a lot of best-ofs marketed. A lot. And I thought Beauty Queen is one that I've I've come to love now, and I I really do like it now a lot because it is a complete tempo change. You go from the just kinetic energy of Do the Strand, and then this one completely puts the break on, and it's it's, it's borderline a ballad. Oh yeah, as you, expect, as you expect from the title Beauty Queen, and he's crooning as well in yeah, bits of it. But, yeah. 
But he's but sort yeah, of still... he's polishing the Brian Ferry persona, isn't he? The the lounge lizard business. Yeah, this is very lounge lizard. You know, you've got that saxophone on there, and yeah, it is. It's very much more the Brian Ferry creating his vision of Roxy Music on this one, as opposed to Duva Strand feels like a, a Roxy Music the band. This one yes. feels like Brian Ferry with Roxy Music. Brian Ferry with Airbus support by Roxy Music. Oh, great show, lads. Aye, that was cracking, lads. Anyway, see you next week. Here's your money. Andy McKay uh, plays a blinder on this, doesn't he? Hmm. Oh, yeah. Playing some lovely, lovely saxophone. I, I love I love the saxophone on this album. Yeah. Yeah, and even just like the keyboard the keyboards, the keys on this song as well. Oh they really all, just literally all of it, yeah. Yeah. Very hard at your feet. You're the pride of the street. Yeah, and I love the um kind of the I was going to say, there's a, there is like a, a mid-song breakdown, but then goes into extended, just banging the pianos, the saxophone towards the end. What they really, really enjoy in this album, is basically a trick of the album, is the is the, the, the break in the middle. Yeah, because this goes from being, lounge, like say, lounge lizard croon to almost barroom, piano style hokum. And I use that, in, you know, but in the, in, in the fun sense hokum. of the word. Yeah, and I think it's it, at this point as well, mentioning kind of Brian Ferry and his girlfriend, the, the album cover, which is uh, extremely striking on this one, I think. Yes. I mean, Roxy Music had a good turn in striking album covers, apart from Avalon, which just looks bizarre given the, the rest of the album covers. Makes no sense, does it? Avalon, which, Avalon's album cover should belong to, I don't know, like Greenslade yeah, or Uriah Heap. Yeah. Yeah, for no one who can remember it, it's it's a man wearing kind of a Viking helmet. Yeah, holding a falcon, a kestrel <laughs> over a, a beautiful sun, sun sunrise. Like, yeah, where are the uh, the models and the lingerie, which has kind of been your thing up until now? Literally every other album. Every album. <laughs> it makes no sense at all, does it? Yeah. The, this, um, this album cover, though, in particular, is. I think this is their best album cover. Yeah, because it's also it, their best album. But yeah, I mean, it's just that very—it's—it's it's dark black tones with what looks like a Las Vegas-style city in the background. And then you got the model in all the black PVC. What's her name? Amanda something. Oh, I, I could look it up. I mean, I'm not ashamed to uh, look that one up and have it. Amanda Sears, Amanda Lears, something like that. I she, I, I believe she's now with. Disco pop sensation in Europe, or certainly was. Disco pop sensation. But she was, uh, as ever, seduced by Brian. Amanda Lear. Yeah. Lear. I was bloody close. Uh, while he sits uh, by a large car in the gatefold. By, by a limo. Apparently, I'm, I'm given to understand that the panther was actually there. But was so drugged and and out of it that they had to sort of paint the face on it. 
But I Which remember is being... an unnecessary expense if you, oh, have, yeah. if you have the capacity to just paint a panther on it. Also, stop bothering a panther. <laughs> What's the panther got? You know, just, just yeah, just paint it in. Why does the panther enjoy your avant pop stylings? <laughs> I remember, you know, for a while, not even noticing the panther was there. And the first time I clocked it, I actually find it a bit alarming. It's like, Jesus, there's a fucking panther face there. There's a fucking panther looking. Because it does actually look quite menacing in the dark there in the corner. Right. You're aware there's a panther on for your pleasure. Ah, yeah, no, it was, uh, was out of it. So we just painted the snarl on. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was going to call Brian Ferry, I might ask him other questions. No, no, I, I just wanted to bring a panther to his attention. <laughs> okay. But I do that a lot of the time. I, I ring him up and I just tell him about the existence of animals. <laughs> you see the Avalon? Falcon? Kestrel? <laughs> Question. <laughs> I don't really matter, to be honest. It's just a sort of bird, whatever you wanted to be. I mean... <laughs> After using so many birds in me other albums, I thought, hey, why not? Let's just have an actual fucking avian. But, you know, he's a very simple man. He is, yeah, but that's his heart. That's why he writes in rhyming yeah. couplets. Ah, right, I see. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's an awesome album cover. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's Belter, and it, it, it's his best one. Um, I, I don't like the cover to the first album. No, I'm not a huge fan. It'll be the, the baby blues and pinks. Yeah. No, I'm not a fan. Uh, siren, I don't really like either, with Jerry Hall as a, well, as a siren. <laughs> and <laughs> I was going to say mermaid and thought, it's called siren, it's probably, yeah. It's just a, yeah, it's just a siren, isn't she? I mean, with this album cover, I mean, whose pleasure are we talking about? Hers, mm. mine, certainly not the bloody Panthers. No, no, he, he was having a terrible time. I mean, and if if we're talking about my pleasure here, does the panther have to come? Um, well, I mean, if a panther doesn't witness your pleasure, did it happen? It's, it's one of those old philosophical conundrums. It is. It was there before. You know, if you don't Instagram it, did it happen? Yeah, I mean, and if a tree falls in the forest and a panther didn't witness it. It, if a panther doesn't menace you and Brian Frey doesn't look on moronically grinning at you, did it <laughs> Moron- moronically, but but with an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he actually he does he knows Adam he does know. I know what I want. Is it her? I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery show, so Brian. <laughs> oh Brian, that's always the answer. <laughs> Strictly confidential. Yes. Um, I love the uh, the little parping of the sax. The way it covers... As something... As the ship hoves into view in the harbour. Yeah. And again, through a while, I've never been a big fan of this song either. And... To a point where even the other, like the other horns element on this, almost is verging on a bizarre, like Maddie Pryor style Renaissance fair. I don't know how they managed to achieve that effect. Yeah, and his delivery again is odd. It's very odd, and it, to, I would say I'm oh, not. I yeah, I'm. I'm not a huge fan of his delivery on this. No, because it, is that because it fl- starts to f- starts to flirt with listen to the children of the night. <laughs> One! Ah, ah, ah. 
Yeah, you are the thing. secrets you must know. Yeah, I think, ah. I think you've just nailed on the head there. Actually, yes, it's got it's going too theatrical now, and it's it's got some nice. I like the fact that Paul Thompson's drumming does does keep everything on the up and up. Um, the the bit I, I mean, it, it's not in the it's not in the top five, is it, of the on the album? But I no. do, I think it's odd when you have the rest of the band go magical moment. Spell it's biking. Really hmm. odd delivery. And they, they they trip over the K sounds. Yeah. I think that's my favourite bit of the song when, again, you have that mid-song break and then it just becomes like a, a chanting thing at the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I, no, I like it, but yeah, it's it's... Whereas Beauty Queen's really grown on me, um, yes, Strictly yes. Confidential hasn't, other than... I think Strictly Confidential thing. is slightly forgettable. Yeah, slightly. I mean, my main thing I like about it is that saxophone. Uh, I like the atmosphere of the music on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go as far as to say I like it, I really would, but it's... It's got personality, this song. I'll give it that, I'll give it that. I'll give it that, I'll give it it's that. It's got... The song has its own agenda. It does, and uh, yeah, it's, the, it's the same agenda. <laughs> it wants you to know how to count, Adam. <laughs> Are you got anything more on Strictly Confidential, or can I simply say that I'm here looking through an old picture frame? <laughs> Just waiting for the perfect view. Woo! Great. <laughs> so you like editions of you, do you? I don't just like editions of you. I love editions of you. I used editions of you as the theme to one of my university pieces. Did you? Yes, it was one of the more thought-provoking pieces I did where I put on a CD and drank a can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again... The question, which one? Like, did I miss that one? Or yeah, that, that one didn't have an audience apart from two lecturers. <laughs> did you just stare at them? Did you stare them down and drinking at them? <laughs> I told how much I liked the song. And I'd have... <laughs> um, I'd, 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 I mean, I made a bit of a misstep at the beginning of it, which is when I said, uh, any requests? Just leaving from my CDs. She went, oh, the, you've got the Pogues there. Went, yeah, I'm not putting the Pogues on. <laughs> Oh, so you didn't? You, you lost the crowd instantly. I, I haven't practiced this elaborate piece to the Pogues. <laughs> anyway, Adam, it's nine thirty on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept, you see, because I've been up all night trying to think of this great piece of art. <laughs> oh, you absolute boob! Got a tutu. Yeah. Oh, that fucking ass. Performance students. I'd be the first to admit it. <laughs> to be fair, you enjoyed every screaming moment of university. What I enjoyed was um, treating parts of my degree as an extended exercise in chutzpah. <laughs> Reckon I'll get away with this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah give it a go. <laughs> yeah, they'll watch any old crap. I'll see. I'm trying. Um, if, look, if the worst comes to the worst, I'll still have had a can. So I'm up, yeah. I'm up on the day. <laughs> I'll get warmed up for this evening. 
But yeah, Editions of You has uh, quite a warm place in my heart as a result of that. But even taken as a song on its in in and of itself, I love a song where people go woo. <laughs> I mean, that that electric piano opening that do 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 do, do that, that's so just. Just instantly evocative and just just takes you back to like where you were as a kid listening to it for the first time for me. Oh yeah, and again, and just... the, I think the night the reason I used it for the thing I did was, I mean, obviously you and I were part of a shambolic crew of lager enthusiasts yeah. who also happened to enjoy the music of the nineteen seventies, um, and the. For just another night with the boys. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is gets a bit B fifty twos. Oh yeah, boys will be boys will be boys. <laughs> but I love the way as well as that, and I really like the way his voice goes up and then down and up and down and up and down. When it's so like the country and all of its joys. But badges couldn't compensate it twice. Badges. Did you just say badges couldn't compensate? Because yeah. badges will compensate you if they've wronged you. <laughs> I've never met a badger who's done that, sons of bitches. I have never met a badger I didn't think was honourable. Interesting. Must be in different parts of the country then, because certainly these North West badgers are bastards to a man. What do you think this song is about, other than, um, again, uh, his love of the female form, uh, but really he is only interested in women for what they look like, I think. Um, love me, leave me, do what do you what will. You will. <laughs> uh, learn from your mistakes is my only advice, and stay cool is still the main rule. It also does another thing that I really enjoy in a song. You know, like we were talking in when we did the Darknesses album, and there's yeah. about three different times in that album where he goes guitar to guitar! preface. Uh, so like. He does that a similar thing here where he just says this way and then the keyboard plays for a bit. <laughs> Can you imagine the keyboard player just shuffling next to him. The crazy music drive you insane. This way. <laughs> yeah. Andy McKay apparently used to do the sort of Chuck Berry duck walk with the saxophone or oboe, whatever he's playing at the time. And he said the solo in editions of you, because I started doing that duck walk and the audience loved it. That became the bane of my life because throughout the entire song, I'll be thinking, oh, Christ, in another bar or so, I've got to do that stupid walk. Because <laughs> I don't think if you've got editions of you in your bag, I don't think you can have a set without it because it's so boisterous. Yeah. <laughs> and, if you know, the audience that have sat through all of In Every Dream, Homer Heartache probably want a danceable solution at this point. Yeah. I mean... In a way, this one, it feels already like a sequel to Do The Strands in terms of its... Yeah, it is. Well, it, it, was the, it was the B-side. Yeah, so you've got like, those two songs which just throw everything at the table. But also, I'd say, more than any other song, this one really shows the, the battle of wills between Brian Ferry and Brian Eno. Well, you've got Ferry as a band leader and a singer here, um, but his, his namesake, Brian... Is 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 running the show? Then because then you've got ev- in the middle, you've got two minutes nearly of just bleeps and blues. 
verse, you've got uh, Brian Ferry revealing his well, his eventual politics as he bellows, "Old man is better than you," <laughs> despite him being absolutely new money. New money. There's nothing wrong with new money. That's what Kathy Bates and Titanic taught us. Absolutely. There's also nothing wrong with too much cheesecake, in my experience. No, absolutely not. Especially if it's not that cheesecake that your mother makes, which, my God in heaven, I have spent the rest of my life since trying to chase that particular dragon, and I can't find it. Oh. It would drive you mad. (laughs) The slinky siren of your mother's cheesecake wails at me. (laughs) I'll get FedEx you some. Yeah, please. Also, always nice to hear the words look out sailor as well. Mm. Yeah, where is that in the lyric? I, I, mem- I mem- it clocked it this time round. Oh, yeah. So look out sailor when you hear Van Croon. Oh, I'll be done with sirens again. Oh, no. This way. So love me. Leave me. Do what you will. It's so, so fabulous. I mean, it, it is complete surface level. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Razzle dazzle. He's not really saying anything of substance. or it's. But I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. No, no. So long but, as people are attractive and they've got money, he doesn't yeah. care. However, I think this is probably the most fun you're going to have on For Your Pleasure. Oh, yeah. There's, there's much to enjoy on the record, but this is, I think, this is them throwing you a, a bone. Yeah, because things... To take a darker turn and decide. Don't they though? Don't they though? <laughs> but yeah, it just makes me laugh. For the last time we spoke, we're talking about Cat Stevens and uh, wrote to find out. And one of his lyrics is, you know, pick up a good book now. <laughs> Get some knowledge, pick up a good book now. And now we've got. Well, you've got a verse that is just sort of uh, gambling cliches. Yes. I mean, yeah. in fairness, Lemmy made. Lemmy made a lot of money out of one song that was just gambling <laughs> cliche, but up to win is he lose. Yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic song. It's, a, it's just a real they've as a band, they are all here, present and correct. Everyone Oh yeah. And they're, it's one they're of throwing rare... everything they've got at the song. Yeah, and as they say in wrestling terms, uh they all get their stuff in, they all get their shit in, because every member of the band manages to have a little moment to flourish. You know more than others on this one. But... Although Thompson is not to be underrepresented on this. The, the the drumming is often like an afterthought in a Roxy Music record. But when you pay attention to it, it is, I mean, I, look, I'm about to say it's always there. But it is. It's sort of, it's the rock solid foundation that allows the bleeping and the blooping. And the... <laughs> All the saxophone guitar pyrotechnics in the world being warped in the fabric of time by Eno could not work without that drumming. Oh, yeah, because if you didn't have that just rhythm in place, the, the bleepy, the bleepy would noises would disappear just be on their own ass. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be stop, Eno time. Oh, this is shit. Oh, this is music for airports, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. mm. I might bring it's that good, to the party good, back, week. good background music Oh that'll be a nightmare <laughs> to talk about Won't it 
Oh, no, no, listen to this. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, sublime. Let me tell you which mundane task I was accomplishing while that was on. That's when I chopped the onions. See, I think we should challenge ourselves with doing an ambient album. I mean, that's why I steered away from um, Close to the Edge and uh, Thick as a Brick. Two albums I really like because it's all one song. And I yeah. think that's a bit of a stretch as a discussion. Much mm. to enjoy, but oh, when you're going, and that minute, hang on, 23 <laughs> minutes in. Oh, let me find when it. The, when the bugle pops, it's, it's <laughs> difficult to chat about. Is that the title of your second novel? Yeah, 23 minutes in, when the bugle pops. <laughs> it's quite a challenging, muddy novel. <laughs> I, have you been writing it seven years and still haven't it, found a, it's a not middle a, or an end yet? Well, I, I've been writing it for seven years, but I still don't know who's in it or what it's about. It's my, I've been describing the setting for most of that time. It's, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> 400 pages, all scene setting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I bought Ulysses. God knows I haven't read it, but I bought Ulysses <laughs> and I, I thought I could probably do something like Joyce. Turns out, no, no. Well, I'll keep plucking away. Yeah, yeah another, another seven years, maybe a narrative will emerge. Ooh. Or a protagonist. Ah, I smell TV series. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be turned into an ITV drama premiere that bears no relation to the source text. I believe the next track. In every dream home, a heartache. My favourite bit, uh, well, there are two really great, well, it's a great song. My two favourite moments are when he, after saying, Is there a heaven? It's the plaintive. Like it's, the, so. it's that. It's the plaintive quality in his voice when he says, "I'd like to think so." Mm. It's the the way he goes up at think is such a lovely, lovely detail. The attention to yeah. detail is brilliant. And then, of course, there's the bit that our friend was talking about, which is the drop. <laughs> yeah. Then you blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> And it takes so long to get there. If you've not listened to this song recently or before, it's five minutes. And I think the first three minutes is just this very discordant organ. It sounds very sci-fi and Brian Ferry's delivery is almost, uh, you know, speaking. It's, but it's speaking, he's clearly in role and it's quite, it's, yeah. it starts off quite sad. And yeah. quite pedestrian when he's just saying standards of living, they're yeah. rising daily. For me, he's kind of painting, uh, you know, a JG Ballard again, a style high rise picture. Yeah, 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 he is, yeah. You know, you know you're living in this, you know, penthouse like uh, place. Penthouse with, perfection. with <laughs> you know, every whim you could want, you know, and you're, and you're so bored and lonely, you have yeah. a, a blow up doll for company. Well, but before you do that, you've you've tried religion because he says, "But what goes on? What, what to, to do? do there? Better pray there." Yeah. So and then the last, then he drives straight back into consumer comforts. Mm -hmm. Open before living. 
and then doing a, a third verse, which is all about uh, taking delivery of his inflatable doll. But yeah. my plain rapper baby, and your skin the, is like vinyl. And the, the deeply sinister lines, like, my breath is inside you. Yeah, yeah. And lover ungrateful. Yeah. Inflatable doll. Lover ungrateful. I blew up your body. Big long pause. But you blew my mind. And the, uh, it sounds like an old Hammond organ is being played there. You know, with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just love the way I just catastrophic noise going, ah, 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 eh. yeah, and so Thompson is drumming like the end of the world it's like he's drumming with mighty mallets in his hands there Yeah. while Andy McKay pulls out another thing with a reed could be an oboe, could be a saxophone could be a could be an oboe I'd, he'd like to think so <laughs> and uh, then Manzanera just quietly goes eh, <clears throat> sorry, do you mind if I and grows an extra eight fingers and then just electrifies himself on a fretboard. Oh, yeah. Dream, hope, heartache. Yeah, your organ's played by Andy McKay as well, along with the saxophone. He's he's busy that moment. (laughs) Uh, You can't see, but I'm trying to mime playing saxophone and organ at the same time. If anything, what Michael's mime is suggesting is that you really would run out of puff. Yeah, really would quite a, quite a task. When, I mean, when Ferry came into the studio saying, "All right, lads, I've written a song about one of them sex dolls that people have got, you know, perverse and that." <laughs> no, it's all right. Hear me out. I'm gonna do like a long monologue, and then you're all going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brian, you want me playing saxophone and organ? I am, dear, if you can. Yeah, all right. Phil, have you grown your extra fingers like I suggested? Paul, do exactly what you do in all of our songs. All right. Aye, Brian, you've got it sorted, man. I'll fucking hammer them. And so, scene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm terribly grateful that you handled McKay. I don't know. Well, I saw, I saw there was an opening there and I just took, took the moment. Yeah, it's 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 such a grotesquely silly song, this, but still very dark and yeah, has its power to so, it. Yeah. As well. What I love about it is that it became, you know, the 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 term that's always used in those books that you and I enjoy, which is it became a live favorite. Mm. What is that like? Live? I'd love to see that live. Just him hunched over a microphone, going, "Well, oh, bungalow ranch style." <laughs> Maybe leafing through catalogues. Because I, I haven't pictured it. They're all sat there looking at their watch, going, oh, it's got another minute before he blows our minds. Because <laughs> in my head, he's performing a bit like Dean Stockwell in Blue Velvet with, when he's doing a candy colour curve now, yep, 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 yep. he's, he's, hold, he's holding a light to his face by the microphone in the dark. And that's how I he's picture him. He's probably wearing a Mac. Um, he's under a street lamp, I think. Yeah. Which has been wheeled on for the occasion. A pan for a sleep at his feet. He's gently kicking it to try and corral it. A roadie is just throwing smoke everywhere. The audience are confused and upset and bored. <laughs> <laughs> Blow our minds! Apparently what happened was, uh, in every gig, then for the next 
200 years, at least one person per gig would bring an inflatable doll and the audience would just bat it backwards and forwards, which must have really spoiled the mood that Ferry was going for. Yeah. Love I'm gr- Fucking hell. Grateful. There's <laughs> a massive blow up doll in his mind. face. Blow our minds! Yes, well, <laughs> but you blew my mind. Way! <laughs> yeah. Love blow it. My fucking mind! Blow it! Blow it! Blow it. There's Andy holding his saxophone, fakes him out, keeps going to the reed, going, ah, not yet. <laughs> oh, no, my darlings, no, not yet. Dream ho- In every dream, Homer Heart Attack is a song that I don't think I had the patience for when I was younger because that build-up is so fucking long. It's so long. It it, it, it goes over the line of the going up that roller coaster. Yes, come on. To, it do, it <laughs> Does come on, come on. Oh, god, there's another verse. You're edging, you're edging. Ah. It does, it, it starts out, out there, it's welcome. But I do think the reason I loved it so much and gravitated towards it when I first listened to the album was because I listened to all the best ofs and uh, you know, the Virginia Plains and Duva Strand. And it for me, it felt so out of step with the rest of what I heard of them. I was like, yeah. oh, I like this. What's this sound? Whereas when I first got into Roxy, I, what I definitely wanted was boisterous songs that also had bleepy bloopy bits. Ah, bleepy bloopy. And I got that, but uh, they also had this. The, 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 the bogus man. I then find a strange proposition after the weirdness of the song before. Because the Bogus Man is another weird song. Oh, it's deeply weird. The Bogus Man, cards on the table, least favourite on the album. Yeah, I mean, it's nearly ten minutes long. That is why. It's essentially a jam. It's a ten-minute jam. It's it's got a sort of vague, kraut-rocky feel to it. Um, yeah, it, it feels to me it feels like vaguely kraut rock mixed with some attempt at blues. It's like a yeah, weird, yeah. very distorted rendition of the blues. And I don't really like what he's doing with his voice either. Mm. Yeah, bogus man is on. It's, he doesn't. His voice is so low in register that it doesn't really do anything. It's not very memorable. Now, why is it so long? <laughs> it, it, it it literally is. It's almost like if they were, you could almost imagine at a show, it would be like, Mr. Phil Manzavera, everyone. And then three minutes of... Yeah. Out of the care, everyone. And they would just be playing Bogus Man as the backing. I mean, I don't... They could have played editions of you three times. Could have done, yeah. Uh, I don't think I would have got bored of it. But uh, the Bogus Man does bore me a, a little bit. When it comes on in the car... It is the one that makes me wish I had sort of hands-free control so I could skip the track. Because you go, damn, I can't fiddle with my phone, but now I'm here for ten cocking minutes. Ten yeah. minutes of Cause, this. Because it's not... Because it, unlike all the other songs, which do have drops, breaks, all this, Bogus Man doesn't. It's just that perpetual... Dun, 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 you dun, dun, dun. It's exactly and, the same thing. All the way for through. ten minutes, yeah, and 
all that changes is the saxophone gets a bit louder at points. And then towards the end, there's a bit of every dream home. I just mm. remembered. In every dream home of heartache, there's that weird bit where you think the song's over. Oh, yeah, and but then, it comes back again. And then there's some silence. And then you go, oh, great. More in every dream home of heartache. Yeah, which is a Not very interesting. Saying it's welcome. No, but that's a very interesting production decision, isn't it? Just like, yeah, yeah, why well, would you fade out the song and then, well, like, you know, let's just fade it back in again. Why are we going to fake you out? And so, so you think that's the ending and then have a, have a little bit more lovely song. Yeah, no, no, that intrigues me. That was one of those ones I'd like to know. What was the discussion in the room? Or was it very much a, it happened by accident as I was listening to it back. So, oh, leave that in. No, no, leave it in. Uh, yeah, so Bogus Man, one of them songs where I don't have much to say about it because uh, it's it's one of them. It's one of those ones a bit like um, Public Image fodder stomp. It feels like okay. it is. It very I much think, meant as... I enjoy fodder stomp more than this, to be honest. Oh, I, I actually like fodder stomp. This I don't. This one feels like should we make it ten minutes long so we don't have to make up another four minute song. I also think, you know, lyrically, he's phoning it in a little bit as well. Oh, yeah. There's something incredibly childish as, and shoot you with his gun. Mm. He's tired, but he'll get to you and show you lots of fun. Ugh. Brian. He knows what he likes as a writer. It, it, but if there's one thing you've proved so far in this record, it's that you're better than this. Mm. Enjoy yourself a bit more. I'll tell you an interesting little fact I, did, I read. Phil mm. Manzanera didn't get a writing credit on a Roxy album until halfway through the third album. Huh. Yeah, and uh, I think McKay didn't get one for, well, significantly later than that. And it, Roxy basically became McKay, Manzanera and Ferry. Yeah. And Thompson, of course, is always there as well. But he's the drummer. Yeah, I don't like the the bogus man. I don't like it. Mm. I, I'm going to go as far as to say I don't like it. I think strictly confidential is a bit forgettable. Yeah, but but the bogus man, I don't like. No, and I this is one of those songs I will never listen to this song unless I have the album on. I will never ever think to just put the bogus man on. No, or, never. Or put it on a shuffle. Or a playlist, or anything like no, that. No, because I've, I find after years and years and years, I've, you know how sometimes with a record, like you might put it on your whatever it is you listen to music on when you're walking about, and you might put the whole record on because you think, okay, I know that those are the songs I really like, but maybe I'll find something new in these ones, mm-hmm. so I'll leave them on as well. I'll put the whole, I'll put all of ours on. Yeah, see, maybe because whether sometimes not... it does happen. A, a random yeah, song comes on, you're like, "Have I never noticed this one's actually got something I, to I it?" I would say that all of reality basically is is has benefited from that approach mm. from me in the past. The bogus man, on the other hand, I don't think I will ever find the redeeming quirk in it that mm. saves it from the the forget me bin. Yeah, forget me bin. Yeah. Uh, agreed, agreed on that. And well, agreed. Then moving on to a song which I again we're going back to Beauty Queen territory where I'm a bit like this song's really grown on me this time round, which is Grey Lagoons. Yeah, totally, totally. It had um, 
really passed me by. But then I, the hook for me was his voice in it. I think, which I think is almost fabulously silly, but sort of strangely affecting as well. He's going almost Bob Dylan. He's uh, he's also trying a little bit of a little bit of poetry on this one, isn't he? Yeah, he's using a bit of the old imagery, a few few metaphors here and there. Sweeten the pill. Hat in teardrops and velvet lights. I mean, sat in teardrops and velvet lights could be a Cat Stevens lyric. Could be, could be an album title. Yeah. Yeah, I, for me, it almost has a bit of a country vibe to it. But again, well, very the country much vibe doesn't really kick in until he stops singing and mm. the big musical break kicks in. But yeah, filtered then through it's got that Roxy some... machine. But the, yeah, the honky tonk. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the honky tonk vibe, which is being, as you say, forced through the Roxyizer. Yeah, because then you just get just crazy piano again and it's just it's much more ramshackle than the other yeah it's it like, like controlled it's, madness it's like it's on the verge of falling apart yeah but not shit <laughs> yeah. but yeah i don't know why this is i i t- until i listened to the album this time round, i completely forgot this song even existed yeah i did uh it's it's not one that has ever loomed large, but um, this time I found myself sort of skipping to it. Yeah, I, I like the vibe of the, the opening couple of minutes. It's got it's kind repeated of like, on me a lot more. Yeah, it's kind of got like a chill vibe to it. And then um, the second half is almost you're going into Leonard Skinner's Freebird territory. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> but again, not like that at all. In a no, strange way. You don't get such a bombastic guitar solo, but the the, the rest of the, the instrument, like the rest Even of the band, he, he could if he wanted to. He could, he could, he could, you know. Give him a chance. Yeah, Grey Lagoons is has been that has been the revelation of mm. uh, this this project, and I would because I reckon, like you know, son of a bitch, Jack Burton, mm. friend of this parish heard of him he uh well he intimated didn't he in one of the communiques that he sends to our podcast endeavors you know one two days later broadly agreeing but also being more pithy and succinct than we've managed damn it jack damn it i would if he hasn't already i would strongly urge him to give gray lagoons a more thorough listen because jack if you're anything at all like me you're, you have broken for your pleasure in your head down to the four songs that I think are fucking great. <laughs> and then, and there's another al- there's some album around it. Have you considered the Grey Lagoons? Have you considered the Grey Lagoons? Or the Blues Hands? <laughs> Blues Hands. Okay, Lagoons. Now, the last track. Mm. The title track. Yes. It's like... Um, well, I was thinking about this. You know, Uti, Uti Lempers. Ah, Uti. Final track is is possibly the most uh, experimental on the record. Mm. Yeah. And then you've got, um, what's that Iggy Pop album we were talking about? It's The Idiot. 
Yeah. Is it mass production, mass the last production. song of that? Which mass is production. easily the most avant-garde and experimental track on the album. That's yeah. a bit of a thing, isn't it? You take your hardest listen and mm. whack it right at the very end. Oh, yeah. So for if people want, pleasure, they can just turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. For Your Pleasure is that song. Mm. It's very odd indeed. It's it's it clearly it sounds like the one where he's gone. Uh, Eno, do you want to? Yeah, just do what you want. Um, if anything, I've well the the cover model is here, so <laughs> so I'm gonna bust a move if you don't mind, Brian. I'll leave it with you. Now I don't know that that's what happened, and I haven't read anything that would support that hypothesis. But that is what it sounds like because it's very strange. It I is. mean, there's one bit, it sounds like Thompson starts at what, you know, when the drums kick in. Mm. And the, the weird thing about the drums is they start and it sounds like he does a, like a roll. So start, let's say he starts from left to right. Then he appears to go from right to left. But every single time he does it, it's like there is an extra note that's being hit. Mm. So by the end of that process, he's still going from like high to low and then low to high. But it's getting more elaborate every single time. So by the end, it's just this wall of noise. Because and it's not fairy song at all. He's barely on. No, it. this he is just a band song. Oh, your pleasure, da, 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 da. and then yeah. Yeah, he's off. Yeah, to me, it's 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 almost like if again, if Uriah Heep covered a song on the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's got it's got a weird vibe to it. This song. And again, it's there's, I mean, there there's lyrics, but you don't really remember the lyrics. It's very much a, and then the band played on sort of song. And then at the end, you've got uh, of all people, Judy Dench featuring, yeah, uh, doing some spoken word bits. I did like you watch me walk away, mm. and then ta-ra, ta-ra, and then Judy Dench, yeah. Yeah, and then and then Judy Dench. and then Judy. That's what they should call the album. For your pleasure, and then Judy Dench. Yeah, so you get like extended guitar solos and very like an extended piano segment but as well. The guitar just... solo is not as pyrotechnic as it has been in no, some of the others. It's lower in the mix, but then the, the main part of the song is like an extended two minute kind of piano solo but you then get some weird little treatments in the background courtesy of, of an eno i think but they, well you would assume you just they, they sort of drift in and out mm. it's got this hazy psychedelic sort of a uh, dreamlike thing where you'll yeah. get snatches of an instrument that will come to the forefront before it's buried again in a a miasma of bleeps and bloops Ah, ooh. which we presume he knows is responsible for. I suspect. I have my suspicions. You suspect my... the hand of Eno? I suspect the bloop of Eno, yes. I suspect the knob of Eno. I just make with the blapes and the blopes like you do. Do you've never got me, Brian? Do <laughs> you? You always do me down, Brian. You, you always just... You sum up what I do in bleeps and bloops. Aye, I know. I've got I mean. feathers too. <laughs> then I'm bald. Gloriously bald. <laughs> and apparently the terror of the ladies. Oh. Some commentators have suggested that that was also 
in the underlying res- bed of resentments that Ferry was building against Eno was. Eno got so much more sexual I, attention. But he's bored <laughs> as a coot. <laughs> Whereas, look at me. Look at me. Look at my pointy chin. I'm fucking fabulous. You're not wrong, Brian. You really are. I mean, Mr. Perry. Not you, Brian. (laughs) Not you, you bizarre peacock. (laughs) You You fabulous, but also fatuous and insufferable man. No, not you, Eno. No, not you. You are spellbinding company. Blooping hell. (laughs) Make with the... Uh, yes, I like I like the title track, but again, not can't couldn't claim to love it. I like it when it's on. It's one of them songs for me. Yeah, I like it when it's definitely, 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 definitely. It's it, it, it's um it's a song that's probably easier to admire than it is to actively yeah. love. I, I like I like the atmosphere of it. I like that yeah. it's got a pretty chill, nice vibe. What saying, it, but... Is this is the Mad Men of the album? It's got it's lots of atmosphere. It's very stylish. Yeah, but appreciate it. But Do equally, I enjoy it? <laughs> did I love it? No. Did I have an emotional response to it? No, I did not. Uh, but, you know, I did. I thought while it was on, it was, well, what an accomplishment that is. Good point well made. So, we, we, are we happy to keep... For your pleasure, playing at the party. I'll fight any man that says it can't. Even with the bogus man? I can always skip the bogus man. I mean... Skip the bogus man. I didn't think... We're not really doing caveats, are we? It's not like, for your pleasure, except the bogus man. No, no. The album is welcomed with a thankful heart (laughs) to the party. And when the bogus man is on, we've got ten minutes to have a nice wee... Get another oh, yeah. drink. When the bogus man cometh. When the bogus man cometh, we fuck off for ten minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, we go outside of a cheeky wheel. And then come back for two quite mysterious and challenging songs. <laughs> and then we'll just say, look, we know it's not on the album, but can we put Virginia playing on? Come on, it's, it's not an album track. So, <laughs> come on, guys. You know, it's it a is. Single. Come on, it's great. It's got it? somewhere. Tell you what, how much... I would really, really like a copy of the single... Do the Strand and Editions of You. That would be a great little single to have. Yeah, it would be. I have a single. I do have Virginia Plain on single somewhere. Do you? I do. Oh, what a lovely thing. Yeah, for me, I, I've always liked this album. I think what listening to it back this time has crystallised for me is its shortcomings for me. Song. I don't think this album is a masterpiece. I know it is held up to be, and it's one of the most popular albums. And the songs which are great on this album truly are great, wonderful, obscure pop songs. I think part of the reason why people view it as a masterpiece is because imagine where they would have gone Mm. if they'd just been able to hold the band together. Hold them together, yeah. If they hadn't fallen down the whole I I get all of the money and you get bugger all trap. If if he hadn't been so insecure... And if, if they'd been able to keep the mercurial talents of Eno on board, it, although clearly he was always destined to go and do other things, he was never going to be a touring musician, was he? But if they'd have 
if they'd have just been able to do that instead of, then there would have been something else. This, oh, yeah. if you, you've got to remember that this is 1973. Oh yeah, yeah. What else sounds like that in 1973? They sound, they sound sort of ahead of Bowie at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which he's still, he's still got a guitar in hand and considering he, he is the front runner of the decade. Mm. They're they're screaming past him at this point, and then he overtakes them and stays ahead of them for the rest of time. But <laughs> no, it's true. What a remarkable accomplishment this is! Oh yeah, yeah. And and again, with with all things that experimental and fight ahead of its time, not everything's gonna throw the wall's gonna stick. And it doesn't. No, no, no. You know, there's a song on here we we both say we actively d- don't like, and there's a couple of eh, you know. But, yeah, in quite a short album, but I hmm. think the the highs, yeah, are very are worth very it. high, yeah, and the mountainous highs. Oh, of course, and the songs themselves, they've just you you've got to you've always got to really love it when a band is fizzing with this many ideas. Hmm. You know, when the, you can you can taste the energy in the studio as they were going. Uh, well, I've got an idea for a little middle eight we could squeeze in. Another middle eight? Sure. <laughs> Bring it on in. Andy, maybe you could come up with another solo. Well, I've already played 12, but okay. That's great. It's really great. Mm. So what, what's your favourite track on it then? When it, it was said and done? I think I know that it's a bit of froth, but, it, but it's probably additions of you if I'm honest with myself. Because I've got I've got hugely fond memories sort of attached to it. I played that song a lot when we were at university. I I I get an enormous amount of pleasure from singing boisterously to it in the car. Uh, I, I actually think some of it I think some of it lyrically is very good, and I really enjoy the way it's the the showcase for yeah. their various talents. Like and now Manzanera play yeah. Uh, I like, as I said, I like everything that I mentioned when we were talking about it, not least. Woo! But, <laughs> yeah, if I'm honest, I would say it's Editions of You. If I were a better and more sophisticated man, it would probably be Beauty Queen or In Every Dream Home. Certainly, In, in Every Dream Home is probably the marquee feature, isn't it? That's the... Yeah, I think that still, that for me, still holds great power to it. Just a as re- a piece of storytelling. And a piece of theatre, for for a better word. Exactly, yeah. It's long, but um, as you said, it it flirts with the idea of, it teeters on the edge of overstaying its welcome, Mm. and then it it doesn't, then it it blows your mind. It it does every time. It's really good. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, for me, in every dream home, a heartache. Yeah, I, I I wish I could say that that was the case for me. But if I'm being totally truthful, it's hey, you just want to have a bit of fun. It's a party. It is, and that I think is such a lot of fun. It really, like, is. it's it's the sort of song that always frustrates me about um, other people because you know when people are talking about oh, it's a great party record, and you think no, but mine is a party record. You just. <laughs> It's just, it, it's just, mine is, mine is fun. It's not that weird. It just, it just because it goes, it's not that weird. It's not actually that weird. It's a, quite a conventional song. Right. So, shall we 
decide who's picking the next album by Spin the wheel, Raggedy Man. Spin that wheel. <laughs> Mike. Oh, we're back to me. Well, Adam. Blow me down. <laughs> as we're coming to a certain time of year, which happens oh, to Christ. be my favourite oh. time of year. Um, just for the benefit of the listener, uh, we're doing this over Skype, as you can probably tell, but where Mike is sat in his house, his head is perfectly framed by some tinsel, which... I think he's going to lend some weight to what he says. I genuinely have no idea what he's... Christmas cushions. Amazing, you've got Christmas cushions. I I have no idea what this is going to be, but with a due sense of exhaustion and dread, please tell me it isn't Phil Spector. No, because we've all heard that a billion times. Greatest album it is. Now, I am picking a very exciting collection of Christmas songs. Z Records, a Christmas record which features a galaxy of stars you wouldn't expect, including Alan Vega and oh, a suicide geez. song. A suicide Christmas song? Yeah, you got a suicide song and an Alan Vega solo song. Woohoo! You also have Was Not Was. August Darnell of Kid Creole. How are we spelling Z? Two E's? Uh, well, Z-E. Ze? Ze. Zer Records. What's it called? Zer Music or Zer Records? Zer Records. And the album is just called A Christmas Record. And this is the album that also gave birth to Christmas Rapping by The Waitresses. Oh, now that is a belter. Which is probably the only song anyone's actually really familiar with off this album. But it also has one of my new favourites, Things Fall Apart by Christina, which I, I hope when you listen to it, you can fully appreciate what a blinding riff it is. Things Fall Apart by Christina. Wow, there's a lot of people on this I've never heard of, so this will be interesting. It's an interesting grab bag. Uh, Christmas with Satan. Yes, exactly. (laughs) James White. Christmas on Riverside Drive. That's August Darnell. That's a great, that's one of my favourites as well. Great song. Uh, Sleigh Ride with Helena uh, Nagura, I believe it's correct. As I remember, not so great. It's, it's, it's a real hodgepodge of this album. It's got what, some fantastic what songs. What a superb album cover. Oh, yeah. That is a joy. It's just a that's gentleman in a zoot suit skating around a Christmas tree. That's fantastic. I believe that's August Darnell up front. Well, good for him. Um, I'm, I'm particularly enticed by It's a Big Country by David Sigerson. Mm-hmm. That title gives nothing away, unless oh. it's talking about the sheer logistical nightmare of delivering presents to such a big country. Mercy, it's a big country. It's a big country. Yeah. So before before we hit Christmas, we will talk about a Christmas record. Oh my God, Christmas time in Motor City. <laughs> yep. Good song. I've got to be honest with you. I'm I I I only know Christmas rapping by the waitresses. Um, not only am I looking forward to playing this, I am looking forward to, assuming we are allowed, absolutely aggravating my extended family with it uh, on the, the magical day of days itself. Guys, because... guys, have you heard these songs? <laughs> have you heard these songs that are notionally about Christmas, the day of days, where we find ourselves? 
you know what everyone loves at Christmas is hearing new music. They do. They do. They, they love it. it. They love it. I tend to uh, unwrap a couple of records on that day. Um, I like to try and keep it so I have something, a surprise, but also uh, so it's something that I at least want. So you can say things like um, one of Marillion's first four albums. <laughs> that, that sort of vein. And they are never, ever well received. <laughs> when, when I say, do you mind if I just put this on? Never. Not once. I imagine people will at least, they'll, they'll really enjoy the waitresses and then they'll talk all over the rest of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll talk over Hey Lord by suicide. Does it sound like suicide? Yep. Oh, dear. That is, yep. not, what, that is not what people want at your nope. side. Nope. So, yeah, really looking forward to talking about it next time. Yeah, I'll enjoy that. Thank you for listening to this particular episode. And if you have a suggestion for something you'd like us to play at the party, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are at Party Listen. You can find us on Facebook as The Listening Party Pod. Or you can email us at listeningpartypod at gmail.com. And we've had Uh, a suggestion for one week, haven't we? We have. Um... Someone, I forget the name, it's, it rhymes <laughs> with Curtain. Um, Black Someone Curtain. A son of a bitch, but nevertheless, a sensible guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've had a suggestion come in and we will get around to it at the party at some point. Because one of the suggestions I was actually considering myself bringing to the party. So yeah, it was, that was all the confirmation I needed. That guy knows his onions. Knows his onions. So I will definitely be doing that in the new year silver skin shallot red he knows his onions this man knows his onions so yeah and uh yeah if you're enjoying the, the party if you could like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast we'd really appreciate it as we are an independent couple of schmucks we as you can tell from the quality of the recording so uh yeah we're shilling for your subscribes it would be uh very beneficial and very yeah. appreciated we fit this in around the demands of our careers partners and in my case child it's it's not easy guys we do it for love and <laughs> and you know because it's, it's a nice excuse to talk about music with my mate but yeah so if you do like it, really, really appreciate it if you could just give us a little old tick. We will see you next time for a festive edition of The Party, where we will play Christmas songs no one's ever heard or will play again. And certainly Christmas songs that I've never heard before. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Right. Yeah, it will. Terror, everyone. Mm-hmm.